June 9, 2015, Den at the World Hindu Parishad, Sanatan Dharma Education. She is a sibling of his divine grace, Aishi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada, the father of the Hare Krishna movement. She has taught many courses this on and she is a professor of sociology and education at Bhakti Vedanta College in Virginia. She travels a lot worldwide, gives teaching practical courses in educational organization. Mother Ormila has three decades of experience teaching primary and secondary students, which include 90 years' experience of school administration and leaders. She has a master degree in School of Administration and PhD in Education Leadership from the University of North Carolina at Tabaki. She has many publications, including Way Buddha Children, the Guide for Devotion Education, the Great Mantra for Mystic Meditation. Dozen of articles. Mainly, she also producing 83 book complete literary literacy program with technology and enabling the story groups to speak in the 25 languages at the top of the special map. That's all the perfect background of hers. And now, please first give a plus to her before we present. Mother Umila, please take you 60 minutes to express your ideas and present your ideas. Time is yours. We are starting at the time we're supposed to be ending. Om Swastias. Thank you all very much for being here and looking at Sanatan Dharma or Hindu Dharma based education. We're going to be looking at both the theory and the practice and we're going to be looking at these areas. The guru, the disciple, what is there to be known? What is the process of knowing? What is the results of knowing? And then some suggestions. Are you going to give me this one instead? This one is fine. You can all hear me with this one, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. And I can even take it out of here and walk around with it if I want to.
hopefully we can tolerate with this technology here. So first we're going to look at Guru, at what is the principle in Sanatana Dharma of Guru. And first we're going to look briefly at the importance of Guru in Sanatana Dharma education. Without a real guru, one cannot know the truth. This is from the Tantra Upanishad. Now, why is that when they say that the truth is within all of us? The truth is everywhere. Why does one need a guru to know the truth? The problem is that when one is covered by darkness, one cannot see the light even though it's all around them, and even though it's within them. Therefore, it's necessary for someone who's already in the light to show one the way to truth. This is a very significant verse from the Mahabharata. I think that this verse embodies why having an actual guru is essential. Here we see that just through tarka, just through logic, that things are not stable. If you are very good at argumentation, then you can defeat somebody else. Yes? Right? And if they are very good, then they can defeat you again. Any of you who are trained in debate know that if you are good in logic, one person defeats another, another person can defeat them. And there's no real ultimate winner just based on logic. You can say, well, what about the Shastra? But in the Shastra, you will find different opinions in different places. Isn't that correct? Yes? Uh, somebody can use the Shastra to argue opposite positions. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the Bhagavad Gita. So in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says to Arjuna, for one who has been honored, dishonor is worse than death. And then, a little while later, he says, you be detached from this honor and this dishonor. Don't care for honor and dishonor. So how is dishonor terrible if you don't care about it? But one could say, oh, take this statement from the Shastra. So very confusing. Guhayam, it's in the cave of the heart. In the cave of whose heart? Mahajana Yenitasvapanta. One has to follow the Mahajana. Jana is person, Maha great. One has to follow the great persons who have their eyes open in the light, who can see where they're going. This perhaps is one of the most important verses. Here we have a nice painting of Lord Krishna and Balaram and with their teacher, Sandipani Muni, in Ujjain. In this verse from the Mundaka Upanishad, we learn that one must go. Gachet is to go, but one must go. There is no, oh, if I like, I can have a guru. But if I don't like, I'll figure it out myself. Uh, no, one must go. So this is a very important principle in Sanatana Dharma education of going from darkness to light, 
One must have a teacher. Well, what do we mean by a teacher? Because we can say, oh, there are so many teachers. Who will I find as a teacher? So we're going to look here at some of the main qualifications of a teacher. Samitpani Strotriyam Brahma Nishtam. So we have this strotriyam. Strotriyam means to hear. It involves the ear. This means that if you have someone as a teacher, they must also have a teacher. If someone says, I am a teacher, but I have no teacher, then they are saying they are God. Right? I am self-taught. Simply I am just no. If guru is essential, every guru must have a guru. This is generally called the parampara. Parampara can be loosely translated as tradition. And it can mean literally one after another, after another, after another. So to be a guru, one has to themselves have a guru who has heard from a guru who has heard from a guru. One cannot just make something up. And then Brahma Nishtam. This is extremely important, my dear friends. Brahma here means the absolute truth, God, the spirit, Brahman. Nishta means to be fixed in the spirit. So there are many people in the world who get a little glimpse sometimes of the spirit. Hmm? They're going through their ordinary lives in darkness. And sometimes the curtains open a little bit and they see a little light and again they are in darkness. But no, a real guru is fixed in light. A real guru is fixed in spiritual knowledge. They don't deviate from spiritual knowledge. Here we have Shushuma again to hear. Dhiranam. Diranam. This particular phrase is repeated twice in the Isha Upanishad in both mantras 10 and 13. What do we mean by Dira? Dira can mean in an ordinary sense somebody who's sober, someone who's not intoxicated. So it can mean in an ordinary sense someone who's not taking alcohol, they're not smoking marijuana like that. You could think like that. But there is a little deeper meaning to this dhiranam. In the Kata Upanishad 1, 3, 3 to 4, and also verse 9, there's a nice description of the body as a chariot. The body as a chariot being driven by these five horses. You can see the five horses, and I'm not sure how clearly you can see there. But in the front of the horses is a picture of each of the senses. So these horses represent the senses of the body. And the reins of the pulling the horses represent the mind. And the driver holding on to the reins, that is the intelligence. And here we see the poor passenger is not very happy. Yes? Is that a happy passenger? No, that's a very unhappy passenger. Because his horses are going wild. The senses are going wild. When we talk about ethics and morality, we just heard from our keynote speaker, right? That the essence, can you understand English? Yes? That the essence of religious education 
is that one is moral and ethical. So what does that mean? That means that one's senses are under control. If we think about what is an animal, an animal decides what to do based on the senses. The dog, if their nose smells something nice, they accept. The nose says not nice, they reject. The senses are driving the whole system. And people whose senses are driving their system, their morals and ethics are very shaky. They are not strong. But if the mind is guided by the intelligence, and the intelligence is guided by the self, then one's senses are under control. So this is what we mean by dhiranam. Vatra vega, manasakrota vega. One should be able to control one's speaking, one's mind, one's anger, one's lust. And in the, with the control of the self and higher knowledge, not this kind of control that breaks after some time. And here we have this verse from the Bhagavad Gita, the verse where Krishna specifically talks about who is a guru. And he says, getting us tattva darshinaha. Tattva is the truth, the light, the reality. Darshinaha, to be able to see. One who is a guru actually sees. This nice painting is of Atri Muni. So Atri Muni, he was praying to the Supreme Lord. And he saw Vishnu, Brahma, Shiva. They all personally came before him. He personally saw directly the truth. One cannot be a guru if truth is simply a theoretical or philosophical idea. If it's simply a belief, oh, I believe in God, I believe in the truth, that's very good. But that doesn't make somebody a guru. A real guru is someone who's experiencing the truth, someone who's living in the light of truth. We are going to propose here for each of these areas a practical goal. Although it's a practical goal, you could say it's a very high goal. High, but necessary. And that is that our gurus who are teaching Sanatana Dharma, Hindu Dharma, should not be teachers only in name. They should not be teachers only by virtue of having graduated from an academic institution. They should be gurus in the traditional Vedic sense, in the traditional sense of Hindu Dharma. They should be gurus in that they are stotriyam brahmanishtam, that they are tattvadarshinaha. They should be gurus in that the truth is hidden in the cave of their heart, that they are living in enlightened life. You may say, well, that's a very high goal. Where are we going to find so many gurus? <laughs> Better we just train some ordinary teachers and just, all right, this is what we believe and these are the rituals we practice and we'll have to be satisfied with that. But then we're not really doing sanatana dharma. To get real gurus means to make a real commitment to creating enlightened beings. And having only such enlightened beings who are living in truth be the teachers of Hindu Dharma. The next area we're going to look at
is that of being a disciple, that of being a real student. Because just because you have a bona fide guru, a real teacher, doesn't mean you're going to be a proper student. How does one behave as a student? Again, we go back to this verse of the Bhagavad Gita 434. What is the student supposed to do? I think many times in our educational system, we think that what the student is supposed to do is just sit there very quietly Right? And just whatever the teacher says, they just repeat. And then they just write it on the exam. But that is not Hindu Dharma. That is not Sanatana Dharma. If we can be very honest here, I'm going to take a little risk here being very honest. This kind of education system was imposed on colonies by the Europeans in order to make them docile slaves and workers. It was not the original educational system. This thing where you just simply hear a bunch of facts, you memorize them, and you give them back, is not Sanatana Dharma Hindu Dharma education. <laughs> Therefore we find throughout the Vedic literatures, there are questions and answers. Questions and answers. Not that the teacher's asking the question and the student is answering. The students are asking the questions. The students are thinking. And some of the questions are difficult. Some of the questions are challenging. Let us look at the questions that Arjuna asked Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says, I have taught this knowledge to the sun god. Yes? Evam param praptam imam and what does Arjuna say to Krishna? He says, well, that's very strange, Krishna. How could you have taught this knowledge to the sun god? You and I are the same age, and the sun god lived a long time ago. I don't think that's very possible, Krishna. Was that a challenging question? Was that a thoughtful question? Or in the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, when Krishna says that you should control your mind wherever it wanders due to its flickering and unsteady nature, bring it back and fix it on the self. And Arjuna says, Chanchala Himana Krishna, I can't do that. He said, you've given me an instruction I can't follow. He says, what will happen if I fail? Then I'll be like a little piece of cloud. He said, I'll have given up everything material to engage in this yoga, and then I will fail. I will have nothing material, and I will have nothing spiritual. So this was a difficult and challenging question. But this is the way to be a disciple. This is the way to be a disciple. To be thoughtful. To be independently thoughtful. To go deep and ask very deep questions. Now you may say, well, if you ask very deep questions, what kind of a disciple are you anyway? Because there also has to be surrender. There also has to be surrender. When Arjuna becomes Krishna's disciple, he says, I surrender. 
Yes, I will ask difficult questions. Yes, I will be thoughtful. Yes, I might even challenge. But whatever you say, I will surrender. I will accept. If there's not this mood in the student, then transmission of spiritual knowledge is not possible. It is not just a relationship where I hear from a teacher in order to get a good grade so I can pass an exam. When people have that mood, then they are also going to cheat because all they're interested in is the grade on the exam. And then they don't care. Do I really understand if I purchase the answers? <laughs> it doesn't matter to them because it's all about a little letter or a little number on an exam. But here we are talking about a relationship of love and surrender. And without that, again, we're not having Hindu Dharma or Sanatan Dharma. There needs to be not only a real guru, but a real relationship of love and surrender between the student and the teacher. There must be love then. The teacher must love the student, and the student must love the teacher. Doesn't that make sense? If the teacher is tattva darshina, if the teacher is seeing the light and the truth, what is the truth? The truth is full of love. This surrender that's required by the student, it's not the, you know, surrender of the army. <laughs> it, it's not the, well, I guess I got beaten in war and therefore I have to surrender, but I don't like it. It's the kind of surrender we make between friend and friend, husband and wife, parent and child. The kind of surrender based on a deep sense of love and trust. But the student not only should ask good questions and surrender, the student must also serve. This is very important. Right? One should approach the guru with all that is needed for sacrifice. So of course, in ancient times, this meant one had to carry the wood for the fire of sacrifice. I mean, it literally meant that kind of thing on the part of the disciple. But even in the modern society, it means that the students should be serving the teacher. Not just taking, but also giving. It is stated in the Bhagavad Gita that a sacrifice without giving some dakshin to the priest is in tamagun. It's in the mode of ignorance. Therefore, as part of Hindu Dharma, as part of Sanatan Dharma education, we train the students, they also have to give to the teacher. This is not just a matter of paying your school fees or showing up on time. It is really, again, this personal relationship of service. So what are we going to look at as far as practical application? To restore this natural, original, spiritual relationship between teacher and disciple. Stop having teacher and disciple, teacher and student be just something official, just something to get a degree, that the teacher just has a job without realization and the student is just a memorization machine. Make it a real relationship. The relationship between the teacher and the student should mirror the relationship between God and the soul. It should be training the student, how do I love God? How do I question God? How do I serve God? And this must be at the heart of Sanatan Dharma education. Therefore, we are speaking about it first. If one is going to go from darkness to light, one must have a teacher who's in the light. 
and one's relationship with the teacher must also be in the light. So if we have a proper student and a proper teacher, what will we know? I think many times in religious education, we think that we should know two things. We should know our set of beliefs and we should know our particular rituals. So I'm going to challenge that idea and saying that according to the Vedas, the knowable is something a little different. Beliefs and ritual are a means, but they are not the knowable. First thing one should know is oneself. Oneself. One time my own guru, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, asked some of his students, what is the first thing you teach people? They said, oh, we teach them there is a God. He said, no, no. First thing you should teach is that you are a spiritual being. That is the first thing that should be known. Who am I? Who am I? Aham Brahmasmi. I am a soul. I am not this body. Everyone here is very beautiful, but do you really want to be your body? Is the body very nice? I mean, if we think about it, even if you have beautiful hair, if you just have some hair on the floor, is it very nice? You may have beautiful skin, but if you just see some skin, is it very nice? This body is, is really not ourself. We are simply traveling from one body to another. And we, the real self, are a spiritual being. We are a part of the Supreme. We are full of Satchit Ananda. We are full of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. We have most of the powers of God and the opulence and the qualities of God. We are eternal. If one doesn't even know what one is, what is the use of any other knowledge? What is the use of having beliefs and rituals if I don't know who I am? Who has the beliefs? Who is doing the rituals? How can I decide where I'm going if I don't know my identity? By the way, you may find it interesting that in modern psychology, the way advertisements is based is on identity. Because psychologists have understood that we don't make decisions based on whether we think something is good or bad in isolation. We make decisions based on whether something is good or bad in terms of my identity. I say, I am a something. And then I think, well, if I had the best ideal of that something, how would I act? If I say, okay, I'm a mother, what does a good mother do? I'm an Indonesian. What's a good Indonesian do? And that's how we make our decisions. But my dear friends, 
None of those things are us. Sarvapati vinirmutam tatparte nirmula rishikesha rishikena sevanam bhakti uchita. We're not any of these upadis. We are simply changing these from one life to another. In one life we are Indonesian, in another life we are Nigerian or you are American. One life we are male, we are female, we are animals, we are celestials. These are temporary coverings of the self. So the first goal of Sanatana Dharma education is to know what is oneself. And after knowing what is oneself, then one can know Ishwara, what is the Supreme. And what is this Supreme? So it's very nice in the Bhagavad Purana, the Supreme is described in three ways. Three ways? What is that? Rameti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Sabjati. That one can understand the Supreme as the Brahman, the all-pervading light, the eternal, Nirguna. One can understand the Supreme as the Paramatma, the super-self, the witness, the abode, the friend, one who is the neutral judge, meeting out the results of one's karma and supervising our transmigration from one body to another. And one can understand the Supreme as Bhagavan in his unlimited forms. Bhagavan has unlimited forms. And in each of these forms he has varieties of devotees, varieties of lila, uh, varieties of purpose and incarnation. So one knows the self, and then one knows the source of oneself. Altogether, we could say that one should know these five topics. One should know the jiva, the self, and Ishwara. But one also needs to know kala, prakriti, and karma. One needs to know the nature of the world. When we're going from darkness to light, we not only need to understand the light to which we are going, we also need to understand the darkness that is enveloping us. Like when we are going from sickness to health, we need to understand health, but we also need to understand something of our disease. Yes? Correct? So one needs to know something of the world. I believe that one of the unique and wonderful aspects of Hindu Dharma is not only in describing the self and the supreme, but also in describing the nature of the world. I mean, I just think, objectively speaking, objectively speaking, if we look at the philosophies of the other religions in the world, very few of them understand the nature of karma, the nature of prakriti, and the nature of time. You know, they give you some rules for living. Here's the rules in our scriptures. But how does the world work? They don't know. So this wonderful invocation from the Ishopanishad gives us the full picture. Om Purnam Madha Purnam Idam Purnat Purnat Udhachite Purnasya Purnam Adaya Purnam Eva Vasishite. Everything is complete. Ishvara is complete. Everything he has manifested is also complete. From the complete, the complete comes. When you take the complete away from the complete, still the complete remains. This world is also complete. 
There is a complete arrangement in this world for us to satisfy our senses, right? Dharma, Artha, Kama. And there's also a complete arrangement for our liberation, Moksha. It is all here, whether living happily in the world or attaining liberation. There is a complete arrangement for love between the Jiva and Ishwara. And everything here is so perfectly balanced by the law of karma. There's no such thing as injustice. There's no rampant evil. Everything is under complete control in a world of complete satisfaction. With the Ishwara who has complete satisfaction, complete knowledge, and complete pleasure. And here again in the Ishapanishad, it tells us, if you want the full blessings of immortality, if one wants really to experience the light and eternal life, how interesting that one should study both Vidya and Avidya. One would think, if I want the light, if I want supreme knowledge, if I want God, why not just study Vidya? Why study avidya at all? And people sometimes think, well, if we were to have Hindu education in Indonesia, really Hindu education, how would people get credit for their studies? Then they would have to leave the school and go to some special Hindu school for a couple years, and they would come back, and how would they get credits, and how would they... But that's not Hindu dharma. Hindu dharma means vidya and avidya. That one studies the real and one studies the temporary side by side. One studies the nature of avidya not only in the modes of nature, sattva, rajas, tamas, and the samsara and karma, but one also studies all of the different aspects, sambhutin and asambhutin. One studies the original source and one studies everything in the world. This means science, history, geography, mathematics, politics, language, sociology. Everything that one can possibly study is part of the complete whole. We don't see the world exactly as darkness and light. The darkness is only within our own heart. When we remove the darkness within our heart, we see that the whole world is good and full of light. And therefore, even what appears to be avidya is also part of the complete plan, whether sambhutim or asambhutim. And therefore, we study everything. And we see this relationship that among from the one eternal, Nitya, we are each eternal, Nichanam, right? There's one eternal among all the eternals. Chaitanya is Chaitanya Nam. There's one conscious being among all the conscious beings. Eko Badaram Yovidati Kama. And that one eternal conscious being is supplying everyone. So this should be the goal, this should be what is learned in Sanatan Dharma education. This is the test. Have these things been learned? 
If someone simply says, all right, well, we believe this, and we believe this, and we believe this, and we do this ritual on the new moon, and we do this ritual on the full moon, and we say this mantra in this way, with this... But if we don't understand these things, then we haven't achieved real Hindu Dharma education. Now, in addition to analyzing it in these five ways, one can also analyze in this way. In fact, Sankaracharya, in his commentary on the Ishopanishad, talked about Sambandha, Abhideya, and Parojana. So this is another way of categorizing the goal or the knowable of Sanatan Dharma education. Sambandha means, who am I? And what is my relationship? What is my relationship to God? What is my relationship to matter? What is my relationship to other living beings? That is Sambandha. Prayojana is my goal. What does it mean to be enlightened? What does it mean to be in the light? And Abhideya is how do I get from here to there? Our practical goal, whatever we are teaching in Hindu education should be for these purposes. Wherever you go in the world, in every religion, people are taught rituals and belief without purpose. But we, if we want to have the best model for Sanatan Dharma education here in Indonesia, then we should teach these things with their purpose, with their goal, either organized in those five ways or in those three ways. And that way we will actually bring people from darkness to light. Here's another very unique aspect of Sanatan Dharma education. I think a lot of the things that we've looked at so far are really special and exciting. But this, perhaps, is the most amazing one of all. Because this is not talking about what we're going to know, but how we're going to know. We heard from our keynote speaker that one of the main differences between religious education and non-religious education, right, was whether or not there's ethics and morals. But did you know? that without ethics and morals, you can't actually learn what is dharma? This is our main unifying theme. This is our essence of Sanatan Dharma education. Everybody knows this verse? Yes? Can we maybe say it together? Asatoma Sadhamaya Tamasoma Jotir Gamaya Mitcharamritam Gamaya. Oh, you can do better than that. Huh? Can can everybody be a little louder? Okay? Everybody together. Asatoma Sadhamaya Tamasoma Jotir Gamaya Mitcharamritam Gamaya. Oh, that's much better. This is the, the essence of what is Sanatan Dharma education. 
But what's fascinating is that this verse doesn't just talk about the goal, it talks about the means. It talks about the process. What is the process of attaining real Sanatana Dharma education? Mm. This is very nicely explained in the Bhagavad Gita in the 13th chapter in text 8 through 12. So we're going to take just a few minutes here to go through just some of the points in these verses. Here Sri Krishna explains the process of knowledge. The process of knowledge. How does one know? You spoke about that it's not just intelligence. That's a fact. It's not just having a high IQ. It's not just studying hard. It's not memorizing textbooks. It's coming to sattva guru. Only one who comes to the light can understand the light. Therefore, instruction must be to bring our students to the place where their heart and their mind is open. Let's look just at some of these qualities. Here we're looking at Amanitvam, humility. This picture is of the king of Orissa who sweeps the road in front of Jagannath for the Rathiyatra festival. So, you know, sweeping the road, that's not something that a king is going to do, yes? The king is just going to come for some big ceremony. I am the king. Shake your hand, take some photo and leave. The king doesn't sweep. But this king, Maharaj Pratiparudra, he was sweeping. <coughs> If we're going to have people understand Sanatana Dharma education, they must be willing to do humble service. Humble service for the Guru, humble service for God, and humble service for all other living beings. Without being willing to do humble service, gaining access to the light is impossible. Because the truth, my dear friends, is about being humble. We may think that we're very important, but how important are we? How long after we leave this world will we be remembered? Right before I spoke, I had a very nice introduction, two or three minutes. But that is my whole life, my dear friends, in two or three minutes. And yet we think, I am so important. That is not the truth. We are important in the sense of love between the Jiva and Ishwar. But otherwise, we are very small. A tiny speck on a little speck of a planet, in a speck of a galaxy, in a speck of a universe. So if one wants to enter into light and truth, one must be humble and one must act in humility. Therefore, training persons in doing simple, humble acts is a very essential part of Sanatan Dharma. 
And then perhaps this is the one which is most controversial. So I hope if I speak on this, I will be invited back. And this is to be nonviolent. Of course, this is not an absolute principle because you cannot maintain peace in society without a police force. Uh, therefore, some amount of violence must be there. When we are driving in our car, so many insects are dying on the windshield. When we are walking, I mean, there's no way to eliminate violence completely. But as far as possible, as far as possible, nonviolence in what we wear, nonviolence in what we eat, nonviolence in what we see, nonviolence in what we think about, nonviolence in what we speak. Is that difficult in our modern society? Yes, it is very difficult. We are surrounded by violence. How many people can say, I am not wearing anything from violence? It's very difficult to only eat without violence, to not see violence. All news is full of violence, is it not? <laughs> How are we going to live? But as far as possible, when one is living a life of violence, one is in tamagun, the mode of ignorance. And in a life of violence, one cannot understand the light. The light, the truth, and reality is merciful and kind. And we personally need mercy and kindness to understand the truth. We need for Ishwar to uncover the veil of Maya, Daiviyeshagunamayi Mama Maya Durachya. Mam Eveye Tarantite. Mam Eveye Papadiente. Mayam Evan Tarantite. Thank you. It's only by surrender that this veil of Maya is removed. Therefore, if we are not merciful to others, how will we get mercy? I don't know how you got there. That's the last slide. You did something very strange. You want to go to slide 32. I hope she understands English. Nope, nope, back, 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 back. Back, 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 back. There you go. This doesn't work. I just have to point it that way and the person does it. So this is a very nice word, shanti. We all know what shanti means. Shanti means peace. What does shanti mean? Shanti means forgiveness. Because it's only by forgiveness that one gets peace. If we are not forgiving, we cannot get real knowledge and enter into light. That's not possible. What does it mean to be forgiving? Forgiving simply means, I wish you well. Om swasti astu. To everyone, not only to your friends, 
but even to your enemies. Can we do that? Can we make it more than some words that we say? What does that mean? You know, and then somebody hurts us and we think, not you. <laughs> right? Somebody cheats us, somebody insults us, somebody hurts us, and we think, I don't want you to get any auspiciousness. <laughs> but without forgiveness, one cannot enter into the light. Can we get just one? Okay. And free of ahankara. What is ahankara? I am great. I am right. I never make a mistake. To train our students, you don't defend your ego. You defend truth, you can defend your body, but you don't defend your ego. There's much more in these verses about self-control, about being attached to the quest for truth, about being detached from the world. Unfortunately, we don't have time to talk about all of them today. <coughs> but the basic principle is here, from the Kata Upanishad and the Mundaka Upanishad, that the way that we enter into light and truth is through grace and through mercy. And the only way we can receive that grace and that mercy is if we have a life that itself is in truth. If we are ourselves in sattva guru. Our practical goal then should be saying, okay, how are we teaching these children? Or how are we teaching these adults? What's our teaching process? What's our teaching method? Is our teaching method in sattva? Am I teaching in tama or raja or am I teaching in sattva? Am I training the children in habits and a way of life that will open their heart to the truth? Or am I teaching the truth just as theory? What will be the result? How can we judge? If we really have Sanatan Dharma education, what will it look like? Well, the first thing it will look like is that people will be satisfied with what they have and they will not try to take from others. We will see that people will not be greedy. They will not be cheating. They will not be stealing. They will understand everything is the property of God. Whatever I can get by my own honest work, I'm satisfied with that. And then they hate no one. They don't see in terms of friends or enemies. They love all human beings and indeed all living entities. They see... Everything is in relationship to the Supreme Lord. Everyone is his part. Everyone is his energy. Sarvakalamidam Brahma. Everything is his energy. How can I hate anyone or anything? Oops. Oh. 
And then one who sees like that has no more anxiety and no more illusion. Such a person is then fixed just like the guru is Brahmanishtam. So one who gains real spiritual knowledge also becomes fixed in the absolute truth. This is the verse after the verse about guru. What do you gain from guru? You become fixed in truth. And illusion can no longer cover you. One sees illusion for what it is. Oh, that's not, that's not all. We go beyond that. Not only is one satisfied with one's quota, not only does one not hate anyone, not only does one see everything in relationship to God, but one has unlimited happiness. That is rasa, rasa's taste. One is experiencing, even though we are very tiny, one is experiencing unlimited happiness. A happiness that goes on and on and on forever. And a happiness that completely satisfies the self. Where one says, yes, I, I don't need anything more than this. And this, my dear friends, is the key to conquering materialism. To have that feeling of inner satisfaction by connection with the Supreme Whole. Having attained which, nothing else is interesting by comparison. It's like if you eat fresh mango juice, would you buy imitation chemical <coughs> mango juice? It would have no attraction. So what is our practical goal? When we're going to be testing in our education system, have we accomplished Sanatana Dharma education? This is what we test for, character, spiritual awareness, and spiritual happiness. I'd like to end here with a few suggestions as to how we could start instituting a really solid situation of Sanatan Dharma education within Indonesia. My first suggestion is that you make connections. There's persons teaching Sanatan Dharma and Hindu Dharma throughout the world, here in Indonesia and also globally. We have some very successful Hindu schools in Australia, in New Zealand, of course in India, in the UK, in America, in Hungary, in Brazil. People are already developing materials to teach about Sanatan Dharma. I suggest that we try to produce materials that are world class. Not that our children see that, oh, if I want to learn about materialism, everything is done in a first class way. And when I want to learn about Hindu Dharma, well, the paper is not very good and the illustrations aren't very good and the binding is... You know, everything should be very first class. Some first class materials in Hindu Dharma education are already being produced in other countries. Of course, those are going to be in other languages. But these can provide a template for what can be done here. And then what can be done here can be so world class that it's then distributed throughout the rest of the world. 
I would like to suggest also that we have some sort of ongoing research center, that we have people who are scholars in Hindu Dharma who are researching the scriptures to find out what really is the traditional education? What are the principles? How can it be applied to our modern time, place, and circumstance? to publish articles on Hindu education in the world's leading scholarly journals and in the popular press. I would suggest also that we have very systematic training programs, again, beyond belief and ritual, training people, helping people to become a real guru in the Vedic sense. Someone who is Stotriyam Brahma Nistam. Someone who is Tattva Darshinha. And then a system of support for schools. This means information and resources for schools, for summer camps, for weekly instruction, for afternoon instruction, for people who want to start schools. Also help for families. How can families train their children in the afternoons, in the weekends? What sort of practices are best to do? What kind of scriptures are best to study? What is the proper way to study? How can they train them in such a way that they will go from darkness to light? We looked at these basic areas of Sanatan Dharma education, the importance and the definition of a guru, the relationship between the student and the teacher, what is knowable in five areas or three, what is the process of knowing, what are the results of knowing, and some suggestions for knowing. I really think here in Bali, we're in a unique situation. So much of tradition is still here, and there's still such a high mood of morals and ethics within your community. I have to frankly say, more than I find, I travel all over the world, and I must say that the morals and ethics here are some of the highest that I find anywhere. So, really here, you're poised to be a leader in Sanatan Dharma education, if you take it up. I want to thank you very much, and I'm sorry again that the way the schedule worked, we started at the time that we were supposed to finish. So I hope that you'll bear with me on that, and I assume that the leaders will adjust the schedule somewhat. So now we're going to have some time for discussion. Thank you very much. Just allow me to have some, what is a short translation to the participant little. Yeah. They had a translation in the Yeah, I know. Um, Bapak Ibu sekalian, saya akan deskripsikan singkat saja. Yang dikatakan beliau tadi sudah cukup singkat sekali summary-nya, ringkasannya. Tetapi mudah-mudahan apa yang saya sampaikan sedikit tentang apa yang beliau sampaikan tadi bisa memberikan gambaran umum tentang presentasi ini. 
Walaupun tadi sudah ada translationnya Nanti silahkan nanti Bapak Ibu Para peserta seminar Untuk menyampaikan uh, Apa namanya Pertanyaan Atau diskusi di dalam kesempatan yang baik ini um, Beliau menyampaikan Konsep tentang Pendidikan Sanata Dharma Sanatan Dharma Di sana ada konsep guru, konsep murid, sudah konsep pengetahuan apa yang akan kita kejar, sudah ada prosesnya sendiri dan juga bagaimana hasilnya. Jadi secara keseluruhan, menurut beliau konsep itulah yang termasuk ke dalam sistem pendidikan yang dimaksudkan ini. Deskripsi lengkapnya tadi sudah sampaikan bagaimana seorang guru itu Guru itu adalah the truth-nya The source-nya Sudah itu bagaimana Apa namanya Sisionya, muridnya Bagaimana hubungan antara guru dengan murid Sudah dijelaskan semikian rinci ya. Yang kuncinya di sana adalah Love itu sendiri Ya Bagaimana mencintai antara guru dan murid hubungan itu harus saling menerima um, Tadi juga dijelaskan konsep-konsep tentang self itu sendiri, diri Apa itu diri? Dipertentangkan juga dengan hubungannya dengan diri, dengan supreme-nya Kalau kita melihat di konsep kita Ada jiwa kita Ada brahmannya yang disebut bermacam-macam tadi Ada disebut paramatman dan lain sebagainya Jadi dua butir itu antara diri dan uh, supreme Dijelaskan juga bagaimana hubungan antara iswara dengan jiwa ya. Ada kala, ada prakerti, ada karma Itu semua saling terkait satu sama lain, ya bersamaan dengan konsep yang dia kemukakan ini dia juga sepakat dengan konsep-konsep yang dipaparkan Pak Rektor ataupun yang disampaikan tadi oleh Sekjen konsep Widya dan Apara Widya itu bagaimana dia sudah jelaskan sedikit juga tadi sehingga dalam konsep itu bagaimana diri itu menuju Terang Istilah dia itu darkness To the light Itu selalu Berproses Yang berikutnya Konsep juga disampaikan Kalau tidak salah Saya sampaikan di sini Goal Tidak hanya Batas goal saja atau tujuan akhirnya Tetapi Tersanggup dengan juga bagaimana proses mencapai tujuan akhir itu ya, Dan apa yang ingin kita capai Mulai dari apa yang ingin kita capai Berikutnya sarana apa yang ingin kita gunakan mencapai itu Sudah itu tujuan akhirnya seperti apa itu konsep yang dia bawakan. Nah sudah pasti di sini ditambahkan juga ada konsep pendidikan karakter, bagaimana kita humble, memberikan pelayanan, 
Tadi diberikan juga ahimsa sebagai dasar-dasarnya juga non-violent Shanti dasarnya adalah forgiveness bagaimana saling memaafkan dan juga ahamkara itu harus dihindari Jadi di sini tampaknya ada konsep-konsep kuat dalam pendidikan karakter itu sendiri Berikutnya dia menyampaikan hasil Bagaimana proses itu berjalan Harapan dari sanatan Dharma Education ini apa? Yang pertama kalau sebakat dapat saya ringkas Optimalisasi pendidikan etik, moral, dan ketuhanan Itu harus terintegrasi Yang kedua akan memunculkan bagaimana kita memunculkan trust pada guru Itu hasilnya kalau proses ini berjalan dengan seperti apa yang diharapkan Juga menghasilkan unlimited happiness Itu artinya sudah freedom Kalau istilah mungkin di agamanya sudah suku tanpa wali duko Yang terakhir dia sampaikan pada hasil ini Sudah pasti menyangkut masalah kepuasan diri itu sendiri Jadi kalau diri kita secara sudah puas Yang dia sebut dengan inner satisfaction Ya, jadi secara keseluruhan dapat saya simpulkan bahwa Dasar dari pendidikan ini yang dia kemukakan Satu, ada pendidikan karakter Dan ada pendidikan untuk berikutnya sampai pada spiritual awareness gitu. Saran, beliau menyarankan um, Di dalam penyusunan materi, itu ditekankan sekali tadi Bagaimana kurikulum itu bisa worldwide Berterima di antara satu sistem pendidikan ke sistem pendidikan lainnya Ya, kalau bisa bagaimana kurikulumnya juga Materinya juga nah, Oleh karena itu disarankan juga mari kita membentuk research, research center Pusat-pusat penelitian untuk pengembangan dari apa yang kita sebut dengan sanatan dharma education atau pendidikan ini Mungkin itu yang bisa saya ringkas sedikit Mudah-mudahan pemahaman saya tidak jauh berbeda dengan Bapak Ibu sekalian Sekali lagi, please give a very big applause to the students. Terima kasih. Mohon maaf karena waktunya tadi memang mundur sedikit. Saya akan mengambil hanya ya, akan mengambil waktu 30 menit juga untuk tanya jawab. Oleh karena itu, I will give the first possible question from at least three questions first from this side, the middle side, and then my right side. Satu di sana, one from here, Pak Wiana. Satu di sini sudah. Berikutnya satu lagi dengan ada, ya. Berikutnya tiga sudah cukup. Now let me begin with the scholar. 
Bapak Rudi Uyana, silakan perkenalkan nama dan walaupun sudah banyak yang kenal. Om Swastiastu, saya setuju tadi di kutip diperlihatkan Pak Sora Blas yang menyatakan bahwa hari peraturan hari peraturan sejawat itu metode cara menanamkan pendidikan yaitu baru baru bukan jawab dan layanan sehingga teori dan praktik dapat dijalankan. Ini adalah satu metode yang terlalu kurang diterapkan karena saya juga sebagai dosen 880-an saya ke kelas ngajar ramai pertanyaan. Tapi sekarang sampai saya tak pernah lulus ke kelas mahasiswa lima kali kuliah sebanyak dia bertanya dan ada pertanyaan sudah saya jelaskan paper dan ada pertanyaan saya tanyakan dua data jadi ini memang sekarang yang berbeda tidak sah nah ini nah ini nah karena itu setuju saya doa tanya jawab kurang pertanyaan kurang terjawab pelayanan sewanan nah ini yang perlu kita lakukan sehingga model itu benar-benar tumbuh seimbang ini setuju dengan tadi nah caranya pendidikan itu jangan dipisahkan pendidikan tidak ada yang terakali karena bahwa kita tiga setempat dua pendidikan sempurnakan kibriamu tetapi lebih sempurna pendidikan itu akhiratmu lebih tinggi dan berpikir itu adalah kesadaran budi tertinggi adalah akman artinya akman itu power spiritual adalah merupakan sentral atau akor kehidupan menggerakkan pikiran, menggerakkan perasaan nah kenapa guru itu ada dua bukannya menambah guru guru itu guna kita lupa wajikan baca bawah kota 14, 85 guna kita itu adalah mengendalikan pikiran ya terkena dikendalikan kalau kita acu rasa 1, 2, 1 Kalau guna satu dan guna raja sama-sama kuat menguasai pikiran, guna satu akan berkira berniat baik, guna raja memberkira berkuat baik. Keluarnya berniat baik saja, dan cukup dan berperkara. Ini kita bahas ya. Pertanyaan saya, bagaimana cara kita agar pendidikan di Indonesia ini di dunia ini benar-benar disimbangkan? agar jangan semua dibawa ke sekolah formal non-formal dan informal hampir tak tersentuh bukti di dunia baru-baru ini ada penelitian internasional di muat di media Amerika minat bacanya 32 buku per tahun Inggris 22 buku per tahun Jepang 11 buku Asian tiga buku, Indonesia satu buku. Tahun 2005 tiga puluh tiga dunia di bawah laut minat baca Bali terendah. Nah itu, saya, saya, apa? Ya, sebab kalau kalau hanya membaca, saya membaca dia tidak. Karena agama tidak bisa hanya membaca dan harus latih. Bicaranya, saya bisa keramahan seminggu jujur, begitu jujur. Apa bisa saya jujur dan tidak keramah? Tanpa latihan. 
bentuk kaya sebenarnya. Karena itulah belajar renang itu harus berlari, melatih kita akan menghadapi satu. Kalau ada yang jauh lebih sedikit daripada itu, saya latih. Makan nasi dengan kopi. Iya. Saya makan nasi dan kopi susu berapis. Ada setor. Nah ini. Saya kira itu saya. Tapi di sini ada bagaimana kita membuat manusia Indonesia hukuman ini menjadi orang macamai. Orang macamai dalam ini sang sarunya dan muat sekali. Kau berikan kami dari wah. Orang macamai dalam ini sama biasa sering kali itu wah. Dari yang itu dari yang lain ada ada sudah tidak ada yang makan dan berat. Orang macamai membiasakan belajar itu. Ya baik baik patut. Ada dua saran dan satu pertanyaan. Ya. Okay. Yes, two suggestion and one question. Okay. Saya akan inikan saja dulu, sampaikan pada beliau dulu satu-satu. Nanti tidak perlu banyak nanti sehingga nanti satu-satu ini. Suggestion, he agree with the concept you are quoting from the Hollywoods. But we need to make more powers. Like the how to increase the indra, indria, and then thought, buddhi, and also atma. Yeah. Oh, you you want to know how to have stronger senses and intelligence? How to have stronger senses and intelligence? Yeah, there should be increased awareness. The lesson is in how the indria first one, and then we have to have to simplify with our. How to increase awareness of our senses? Is that correct? Yeah. All right. How to increase awareness of our senses and intelligence? That's a suggestion. Okay. And then she also agreed with Guru, as I said to you before, to control the three gunas. Yes. Okay. This is a suggestion as well. And the question is, how? In Indonesia, the condition here, how education can be balanced between formal education and non-formal education. And the second one, how to increase the student reading habits. Let's look first at the reading habits. So, first of all, it helps if there's something interesting to read. So there needs to be something interesting to read. And we are very fortunate because our Vedic scriptures are full of things that are very interesting to read. But they need to be presented in an interesting way. And the other thing is, I think in general here, their reading kind of fell out of habit with foreign domination. Is that correct? Yes? And now we're having something all over the world where people are not reading books so much. Even in cultures where people did read, they're reading mostly now on the computer and the phone and like this, on the gadgets. So my suggestion is that instead of trying to fight this trend, that you work with it. So put the reading material in a form that people are going to read anyway. First of all, the content should be interesting. And then go for reading in apps on your gadget and in e-books and interactive reading 
because this is what people are doing. And if you don't have them do it about the spiritual, then they'll do it about the material. They're not going to get away from their gadgets so much to read a book anymore. Uh, this is this is just the reality. And we may think that this is very terrible, but I think we need to remember that there was a time when the printing press was first invented that there were many people also saying that it would be terrible to have a printing press. And then the other was about how do we balance formal and informal education. I would suggest a little bit of a radical approach in that most of us learn much better informally and that we're going to be interested in learning formally after learning informally. But this is quite a big answer. If we're really going to look at a balance between formal and informal education, it's not something we can answer here in five minutes. This, this is looking at how do you structure your classroom, what kind of materials do you use, how do you structure your day. It, it's, it's not such a simple thing. And it also means training teachers how to give more informal, interactive education. I think we can say just very briefly that a much more informal, interactive, student-led education is what's becoming more the norm in the developed world. And what particularly fascinates me about that trend is if we go back traditionally in our Vedic scriptures, we find that was exactly the kind of education that was happening thousands of years ago. The concept of everybody sitting in a classroom with a desk and a, and a board is a very recent invention that's much more a product of the Industrial Revolution than is a product of ancient education. So I would say rather than fearing informal, student-led, interactive education as some sort of liberal trend, we should see it as a return to the more traditional roots. And when we read about the kind of things that the Pandavas were learning in the Gurukul, or what uh, Ram and Lakshman, Bharat and Shatrigna were learning in Gurukul, what Rama and Krishna were learning in the Gurukula, we find that it was very informal and very exciting. It wasn't just a question of, of sitting down and memorizing from the teacher. So I believe that if that becomes the core of our education, then once students' interest and excitement is generated, they will naturally be interested in doing some more formal learning in the area in which their interest has already been sparked. And thank you very much. Thank you very much. And there is one point to be discussed, need to be discussed within this room. Um, one basics formula we see we should get in this conference is how we can proceed with the process of the education to answer the how itself how should we run the education whether we can use the formal types of education or in the formal type of education. Maybe there is a uh, way of asking questions by just now. So we can make a kind of, uh, what is, decision, whether Hindu-based education can be in the form of informal education or in the formal education, or can be informal education, formal and informal education. 
So that's also we need to get more input on this. But the next will be in the middle. <coughs> Just come to the front, masuk ke depan, yeah. We have the mic. No, 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 at the back. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, silakan, silakan, no, <laughs> Where is the microphone? Om Swastiastu. Terima kasih, Pak Moderator. Hari Krishna, 
My name is Arsana. I teach in Jakarta by education. I'm a psychologist uh, by profession. I'm consultant and trainer. And by Swadharma, I'm a learner to be servant. When I discuss with the, my Sakti there, uh, 15 there, I look like see you as a rather standing in front of me. <laughs> You are the, the personalization of the life of love. The personalization of life of love sharing to us about the importance of love in our life. My, my concern, uh, I need your, uh, your comment. According to my experience and uh, short knowledge that it is important to harmonize between mind and our heart. Between uh, emotion and our knowledge. The ultimate expression of emotion in terms of mind, ultimate expression of love, according to me, is compassionate. That the, deep, the, the deepest knowledge of love is wisdom. My question related to the procedure uh, already said, which is the root of every, every our activity. Mind is important. When we give junk food, junk knowledge to our mind, our behavior already also become junk. The same as well, if we give our mind with the pure spiritual knowledge, maybe, hopefully, our behavior to be spiritual being as well. My question is related to uh, monitor set. In Indonesia, we, we uh, not three models of education. Formal education, non-formal education, life training, and informal education in the family and society. Please, your advice, advice from where we have to start to implement love in our life, in education, the, in uh, formal education, informal education, and non-formal education. That's my point. Where would be the best place to start? Yes, thank you. Oh, something, something. Oh, very good. Thank you very much. Okay, I, I think it's it's very much if you're going to cook a meal, first you see what's already in your kitchen. So my first suggestion would be to take a, a scan, you could say. What resources do I already have? What what do we have in Bali? What do we have in other parts of Indonesia, you know, what Hindu schools already exist. Uh, for example, last time I was in Indonesia a few months ago, I was at Sumatra, we have an, a wonderful school there called Gitanagari Baru. So I'm, I would first find out what exists, what, what is already here. Who do we have here who's already acting as real guru? 
Who do we have here who's already realizing the results of education? What kind of curriculum materials? What kind of teachers are here? That might take a couple months, two, three months to find that out. Then I would also have somebody look outside the country. What is going on in the rest of the world in terms of Sanatan Dharma education? What are they doing? What's working? What's not working? What is there that's working that we can bring in almost as is? What is there that's working that we have to bring in and change for our own culture? So you first look in your own kitchen, then you see what's in the market. Right? And then you see, okay, what recipes can I make? That would be my, my suggestion as to what you would do first. And then is what kind of programs you could do first. There's easiest thing is you start with like programs once a week or after school or you bring just discrete, you know, separate programs into the schools. But ultimately what I would suggest your ultimate aim would be would be to have Sanatan Dharma saturated education. And we see this, I don't know how many of you have been to America. We have a very interesting situation in the United States. So in America, it's quite the opposite of Indonesia, where the government is not allowed to sponsor any religion at all. The, governor, the government is not allowed to stop religion, but nor is it allowed to uh, help religion. It has to remain neutral. And because of that situation in America, the government schools are not at all religious, of any religious in, in any way. And that situation has increased. So you go back, you know, 1950, there was still Christianity in the schools. Now there isn't. And as a result of that, there's, because America is a very religious country, mostly Christian, as a result of that, Christian groups have formed their own schools where they have created their own Christian-saturated curriculum and their own Christian teacher training programs. And there's some of the most remarkable systems there in the United States. So you can go, there's probably at least 10 different organizations in America where they have training of teachers that's religion-based, they have curriculum, that, but it's everything. Math, biology, chemistry, physics, English, history, geography, everything, but with a religion base. And you can look at things like that, although they're not within Hinduism, and you can say, all right, how could we do that as Hindus? How could we end up with education systems where there wasn't a, okay, here's your regular education and here's your Hindu education and they don't have anything to do with each other? Okay, now it's time for Hindu ed. No, have it pervasive because that is what Hindu Dharma is. It's pervasive. Sarvakalamidam Brahma. Does that make sense? So these would be my steps. Find out what's happening in Indonesia. There's probably a lot more happening than any one person is aware of. Find the good things in your own backyard. The benefit of doing that is that those things are already integrated with Indonesian culture and language. And you don't have to modify them very much. You just have to duplicate them. Then next, look outside. What are people doing in other parts of the world in Hindu education? What can you glean from them? 
What can you bring in? Most of that will have to be at least modified for language. Then go beyond that and look at what are people doing in terms of religious education outside of Hindu Dharma that we can take as a model to copy to make something that's then infused with Hindu Dharma. And I, I really believe that as an ultimate goal, you could have schools in this country where children got a first-class education in language, mathematics, science, history, etc., where everything was saturated with Hindu dharma. Is that all right as far as steps? Okay, we, I have uh, put together, if you like, I don't, I don't have it right at my fingertips, but I put together an eight-step program for setting up a whole education system in a country, which I'd be happy to share with any of you who are interested. Fine, thank you very much. Ito saran beliau, ya. Mungkin ada baiknya kita melihat dapur kita dulu. Apa yang kita punya? Ya, kita olah di dapur kita, baru kita melihat apa yang ada di pasaran. Prinsip dasarnya pendidikan seperti itu juga. Karena pasaran, di pasar melihat market itu kan harus itu dasarnya penyusunan kurikulum. Kalau di lembaga pendidikan formal. Yang berikutnya ada disampaikan sejaksanya juga, Tadi kalaupun ada mata pelajaran yang diajarkan, misalnya biologi dan lain sebagainya itu, bagaimana kita mengajarkan biologi hidupis? Itu, itu nanti mencirikan Hindu Dharma. Ya, sehingga seperti pendidikan Kristen yang ada di Amerika, mereka kan arahnya ke sana. Nah, disarankan oleh beliau itu, itulah pentingnya kalau kita mendirikan research center. Ini harapannya juga dari WHP, mungkin bisa juga mendirikan sebuah Hindu Beast Research Center Education, misalnya. Dari sana kita godok untuk membuat dapur. Karena saya yakin teman-teman yang ada di WHP itu kebanyakan tinker, ya. Tintennya ada di sana sehingga tidak bergerak dalam tataran praktis. Jadi tinten yang kita butuhkan di sini sehingga munculkan dari dapur itu munculkan konsep konsep daripada pendidikan hidupis ini yang berbasis Hindu. Itu saran beliau. Nah jadi karena waktu juga membatasi waktu masih tinggal satu menit mohon maaf. I'm very sorry, we cannot continue this discussion, this very important discussion. It seems that on the surface, we can get the ideas, and then we are expecting that the teams of the committee will make kinds of short summary later on, how we can conclude this kind of presentation and discussion. Again, before we finish, once more, thank you very much to moderators here and give them a very, very warm, big, big applause for presentation. Uh,